we are here in Meltdown Comics for the signing of Heavy Metal, and here I am sitting with the one and only Grant Morrison. Hey, how you doing? So thank you so much for coming here. And before we dive into a little bit of Batman, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you're the editor-in-chief for Heavy Metal right now. What has that been like, or what are you doing with Heavy Metal at the moment? It's, it's been fun. I mean, what I've kind of wanted to do is is widen the scope of heavy metal a little bit because for a long time it seemed to go into this almost you know it, it was like a, a motley crew video <laughs> for a while it was just you know space girls with their, their tits out fighting dinosaurs or whatever yes and we kind of wanted to just bring in a lot of different influences so we've been you know there's a lot more women in the book there's uh, gays there's uh, there's dykes there's the uh, you know cross-dressers so we're trying to bring in a much wider spectrum right. of, of that idea of science fiction and sexuality yes, which i think definitely. is at the root of heavy metal but in a world that we live in today which you know kind of gender fluid world let's widen that out and see what other people have got to say about this confluence of sex and sci-fi yes uh, heavy metal has been out for decades, and for the listeners who are <laughs> essentially their Batman fans, their comic book yeah, fans, yeah. what is you think the how is it relevant for maybe the listeners today who haven't read heavy metal? What do you think would be a draw for them to start reading the magazine? Well, definitely, if, you, if you're a comic fan, I think that the standard of the artwork in heavy metal is way above most of what you'd see in, in traditional mainstream comic books like Marvel yes. or DC, which obviously very good work, but in heavy metal is a kind of there's a, there's a slightly higher artistic standard I think yes. and then as I say what we're doing is we're just bringing in a lot of different voices so I think it's much more contemporary than a lot of work that I'm seeing it's much more modern it's much more dealing with, with issues in a way that's slightly different from the the kind of uh, what I guess you would call it you know the corporate characters the Batmans the Supermans the, the Iron Mans. we've kind of seen them a little bit this is this is a very different idea. You've got lots of different stories in one issue. It's by a lot mm -hmm. of different creators, a lot of yes. different genders, a lot of different points of view. And I think it's just, if you're a comic fan, this is pure comics. It's just, it's not characters. It's not specific storylines that run for a thousand years. It's, <laughs> it's writers and artists creating stories that are really important to them, which are only eight pages or 10 or 20 pages long. So right. I think it's, 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 it's very vital. It's very alive. And if you're into comics, you should, be reading this because otherwise you're <laughs> you're missing out. <laughs> so pick up Heavy Metal yeah. magazine if you can. Are there any artists that you've worked on for comics that you would want as part of the magazine to do an issue or a story that you've worked with personally? Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of people that I'd like to get involved in the magazine, and some of them are going to do strips. So you know, people like Frank Quitely that I've worked yes. with, or. You know, I'd love to see Brendan McCarthy doing something. Or, so there's a, a bunch of people that I'd like to bring in. And Gerard mm -hmm. Way, you know, my, my friend from My Chemical Romance who's doing mm -hmm. the DC stuff. Right. He would love to do a, a strip. And we've got a lot of friends in the the music industry who'd also like to do stuff. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that are still to come with Heavy Metal. Great. So you have, start, you did Batman in the first, well, the first book I read, and I think it's one of your first books, was Arkham Asylum, yeah, A yeah, Serious yeah. House of yeah. Earths. Um, why did you want to start writing for that character for DC? Were you approached or did you say, hey, I want to write for Batman? No, well, in the case start? of that one, it was like before I was even approached by DC and I was doing stuff in Britain and working on mm -hmm. 2000 AD and but 
like most people, I had this Batman story in my head, and I, I had this idea of Batman and Arkham Asylum and the whole, the, you know, the, the, the April Fools and the Feast of Fools and yes. trying to do this weird kind of Jungian version of Batman. And I loved the notion of, you know, Dark Knight had just come out and it was this very American, mm -hmm. you know, it was like American Psycho or Wall Street. It was a real American story about a self-made man who happened to be Batman. But Dave McKean and I wanted to go in this European direction and do something that was a bit more psychological, a bit yes. more arty, a bit more pretentious, you might say, or, or goth. And I think that's the, so we went in that direction. And I think what we created was a Batman that was so different from every other version of it. And so it was like, you know, like Prague surrealist movies. It was that kind of thing that we were trying to go for. And I, I think that's why it stayed popular for so many years and, and sold so much. It's, you know, I still get amazing royalty checks in for Arkham Asylum, <laughs> like, you know, 300 years after publication. No, it, it is, to me, it's like a psychological thriller. And for and it's, and it, you don't really see that a lot in comics. Yeah. And so what were, you said it was gothic and you kind of wanted to pull that inspiration. What were other inspirations that you talked with Dave McKean about mm. just creating that story or that vibe for him inside of Arkham. Well, it was just the idea of European films, and we were looking at a lot of, uh, you know, like I say, like strange Czechoslovakian animation, and mm. a, a lot of just surrealist movies, and like Jean Cocteau, like, you know, Bella La Bette, and, 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 and those kind of things. So it was, it was a defiantly kind of European, you know, decadent version of Batman compared mm -hmm. to the American hardcore kind of muscular version of Batman that yes. had, was popular at the time. So we went in this other direction and made Batman almost a vulnerable figure. And it was it was it was it was it was the idea is this is Bruce Wayne's dreams. It wasn't meant to be real. It was like this is what happens when he goes to sleep at night. <laughs> he goes through this awful dream every night you yes. know, and then he wakes up and but but it was it was a very much a psychological symbolic take rather than a realistic or mm -hmm. concrete take on Batman no definitely and I think a lot of people see the character for the symbol he represents more mm. than I guess the reality I suppose yeah and it's um, why Dave McKean drew Batman as almost a shadow there's basically a, yes. a, a, a solid figure there he's like a, a he's like a mist or a shadow so. yes definitely and then you did Batman Gotham and then later in the early or the mid 2000s I suppose you started your famous <coughs> Batman run so how did you I guess approach did you know that you were going to go on for years and years on the character how did how did that come about was it just supposed to be an arc and then it just evolved yeah I mean they asked me to do Batman and I, th I, I came up with a, a 15 issue story arc which kind of ended with the, the, what became Batman R.I.P. And that was it. And I thought I'll finish there. And then suddenly I got really involved because my my take on Batman was that every single story that had ever been written was true. And that was <laughs> the guy's biography. So the, the 1939 Batman was, mm. was Bruce Wayne when he was like 19 years old. And it's his first night out. And he's wearing the purple gloves and the long boots. <laughs> And then he meets Robin and suddenly there's this kid who's like him when he before his parents were killed and Robin's really super upbeat and mm -hmm. Robin starts to bring trophies into the cave and the two of them become really good friends and I, I saw it as he, he suddenly met someone who is him as a child and restores to him the, the, the boy that he'd lost 
And out of that comes this amazing Batman-Robin relationship, which then goes through the 1940s and the 50s. And then Robin grows up and leaves. So I just I took all of that as if it was one man's life. Mm-hmm. And so when he's 25, Robin's gone, and he moves into the penthouse in town, which was the 1970s <laughs> right. Neil Adams Batman comics. And he meets Talia, and he has this amazing you know, sexual life suddenly. And everything just fit right through. And, you know, here's the 80s Batman, here's the 90s Batman, and everything's going wrong, and there's earthquakes in the city, and there's, you know, Alfred's dying of disease, and Jason Todd gets beaten to death by the Joker, and the guy's psychology has fallen apart. His entire mission is a failure. And we took that as, imagine all that's canon, imagine that was his entire history, mm-hmm. and he's maybe 35 years old, but all of that 50 years of history fits into... You know, oh, wow. between the age of 19 and 35. <laughs> right. And so we kind of, by doing, by approaching Batman like that, the character suddenly became really rich. You know, there were so many weird contradictions. You know, is he asexual? Is he sexual? Is he, well, in this story, he is. In this mm-hmm. story, and here he loves Kathy Kane. In the 1950s, he falls for Batwoman. So we brought her back, and it was kind of the first woman he fell in love with. And, and suddenly the character became really rich and and had so many angles and and kind of facets that he seemed like a real person so that was the kind of take that we used on that and for me suddenly what was 15 issues ended up as seven years on <laughs> Batman just exploring all the possibilities of right. that so you actually brought back uh, in a sense Damian Wayne mm-hmm. and that was originally in and the son of the demon, Mike W. Barr. And why did you want to bring Bruce's son back into the mythos? Well, again, just looking back, when I read through the entire history, there was a lot of stories where Batman had a son. You know, they would do it in the 50s all the time. And it would usually be, you know, Batman's son would turn up and Robin would start sobbing in the corner because his place had been taken by someone else. (laughs) And... It just seemed like there's a definitely a story there, you know, an idea that Batman could have a son, and obviously, the the whole the, the Talia relationship mm-hmm. had a space in there where this could have happened. Right. And you know, the son of the demon kind of went there, and and Kingdom Come had a little bit of that as mm-hmm. well. Yes. So I just thought, wouldn't it be great to actually make that literal and bring it into the reality of Batman? And it seemed that what we did. By doing that, it made Batman more of a normal human being, a sexual man. It gave yes. him a slightly more masculine dimension in the sense that he could have a son without losing everything that made him Batman. It actually worked. It seemed to... Batman could have a son and still be Batman and still be cool. So we, we, we just took all that and made it real and, and let's see what happens. And my idea was to always to kill Damien because I thought that I didn't want to leave any other future writers with this, the, the baggage of Batman and his son. <laughs> so the notion was to kill him, but then the character proved to be so popular that they kept him around, and I, now I just don't think they know what to do with him, to be honest. But when would you have killed the character? I planned to kill him after four issues, and then I thought, no, let's extend this, and then I'll kill him. I'll, I'll develop him and make readers love him, because they hated him to start with. Yes. He absolutely, he was such right. a brat, he was so horrible, and everyone <laughs> hated him. So then it became a mission to actually... It allowed me to do a character arc, because Batman can only change so much before you break the character, but Mm -hmm. with Damien I could actually do an actual character arc where you see this little bratish, horrible, obnoxious kid turn into a real superhero and all the influences on him that allow him to become that. And it, it, it made the character, I think, really quite dynamic and appealing and I think a lot of people get into it because of that. 
which mm. unfortunately negated the effect of killing him <laughs> because people loved him and they didn't want him to die by that point. <laughs> well, in the Batman and Son arc, you the the relationship that Tali and Bruce had was different than the original Son of the Demon <clears> and, <throat> and Mark W. Bars. Why did you change the background of... Uh, kind of Bruce and Talia getting together and then well it's just I mean the, the son of the demon wasn't in canon as they call it it wasn't considered a, as a, an actual part of the Batman history it was a mm-hmm. kind of Elseworlds story mm-hmm. and so I didn't I only had a vague memory of it and I made my own version of it okay and I liked the <laughs> idea that you know Bruce and Talia had got together but he's lied to himself all these years he pretends that somehow she drugged him and <laughs> Yeah, she probably did. She gave him some combination of ecstasy and Viagra, but he was so into it, but he's in denial, and that's what I loved about it. It's like Batman constantly denies it, but every time you see that event in the comic, it's obviously very passionate, Mm -hmm. and it's for real. So for me, it was like Batman denies it. You drugged me, you're a supervillain, and you drugged me, but no, she she drugged you just so that you could perform better, and you were (laughs) so into it, Batman. So I love that kind of tension in the whole thing. Yes, no, definitely. And it's so interesting that you were going to talk about killing off Damien rather soon, and then the issue of Batman 666 came out, Mm. and they have this alternate future, and you see Damien as Batman. Where did the idea come from to put him in that one issue, in that kind of hellish existence? Well, it just came about, it was was luckily the the, the Batman issue 666 was coming up, and I I had to take advantage of that, you know? You can't let that number go by so I thought I've got to do something about the devil I have to do something about you know the kind of that 1970s omen exorcist kind of feel and suddenly the idea came to me what if Damien has you know somehow sold his soul to the devil in some way and here's him in the future trying to be Batman but he can't do it because he's, he's driven to violence and suddenly out of that came this whole potential for the character and, and all the kind of possibilities that I then realised okay I could extend this a little bit more and I could develop this kid because imagine this is the future for Batman this awful apocalyptic right. end and the way that I think Damien was written when the issue 66 came out it seemed very almost fitting that he would be that Batman in that type of in that type of world, mm. I suppose. Um, so that's actually one of my favorite issues. And I wanted to talk about um, during the Batman RIP series, which you actually signed my Batman Zurina oh, yeah. uh, Funko <laughs> just now. <laughs> um, what? Because that's one of my favorite kind of obscure <clears throat> comics that was from the 50s. Mm-hmm. And they created that character in that one story. What made you want to resurrect Zurina to have almost as like backup type of personality for, for, for Batman, for Bruce. Where did that part of the storyline come from, or that arc? Well, again, I was I went through the entire history yes. of Batman for inspiration and I noticed that nobody had ever gone back to the no, 50s stuff yeah. because it's considered like it's so unlike Batman. He's, he fights aliens constantly. Right. It was this really very weird sci-fi. take on Batman. Yeah, yeah. Very science fiction take. And so because of that, and because Batman's been generally considered since Frank Miller is a more grounded, down-to-earth character. It seemed that that uh, that part of his life hadn't been 
considered. Mm -hmm. So I thought, if I'm going to take this is Batman's entire life, and this period also happened. So what was what what was that actually in the life of this man? Yes. And I figured, well, this is the point where he's been dosed by scarecrow fear gas, and he's taken on so many intoxicating compounds. Mm -hmm. that he's he's tripping. <laughs> in the entire <laughs> 50s, Batman is kind of Batman is constantly tripping on right. fear gas and yeah. weird concoctions, and it explained a lot of this, those alien and sci-fi stories as hallucinations but it seemed that there was a lot of weird material there that no one had gone back to or thought about and it, it just gave me a new way of thinking about Batman again and I'd been reading about how kids and, and you know like MPD as they used to call it, I don't know what it's called now but it was the multiple personality disorder or whatever mm -hmm. and, and how kids who'd been abused would develop alternate personas or you know alters to carry the emotional weight of things that happened to them that they couldn't process normally and I thought wouldn't Batman weaponize something like that and he would actually create a crude backup personality that would boot up if anything happened to his mind mm -hmm. after all these experiences he's had in the 50s yes. and so suddenly the story all came together like okay there's this other there's this level of Batman that even when he's when you think he's utterly defeated this thing will click in like a backup generator mm -hmm. and provide a Batman that can still carry him through and and by tying that into that 50s story and making that a bit more concrete and a bit more realistic or psychologically realistic, I was able to incorporate all that material and make it fit into the more plausible Batman of the, the modern right. stories. No, and I like the idea that you're taking all from the 1939 to now. It's kind of this whole complete history mm -hmm. and kind of picking it apart. And so when the Final Crisis series came out and... Batman, quote-unquote, dies, mm. in a way. Um, writing that, were you looking at other parts of like his history before and seeing, oh, when has Batman died? And he really hasn't. Or if mm. he does, or he's always in these traps, and but he gets out of them. Yeah. And if he dies, it's he didn't really die. Like, Did you look back at his history before when writing that? Part of the, yeah, absolutely, the and it was. I mean, that was the idea of Batman escaping from the ultimate trap, mm -hmm. which is what Darkseid puts him in. It's like you, you could not get out of this, but he does, and that's Batman, you know. So yeah, I was definitely thinking, what's the ultimate version of the death trap? And it was Darkseid's life trap, where he yes. just you know puts him and he puts him back in time, and he has to live through all these experiences to try and recreate his own memory as Batman. Yes. So yeah, it was it was again it was like trying to take something we already knew about or had seen before and do a more contemporary version of it and a more plausible version of it. Right, and having him like travel mm. through time, the return of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and, and I, I never wanted him because you know the idea of Batman dying. It's like, of course he doesn't die. So it was always for me, it's like, how do we take him off the board so that then we can have Dick Grayson and, and Damien yes. as Batman and Robin? But Batman's always going to come back. And for me, the whole idea was that the stories, the characters can change and you can twist them and take them to almost breaking point. But ultimately, they have to come back. So my whole Batman run was about how far can you change this and then still dial it back to right. the base level so that another writer can come on and just do the adventures of Batman again. No, definitely. So while in The Return of Bruce Wayne, he's traveling the time. And you can still see that Bruce Wayne's Batman, even mm. in all the different eras, it's still the core values and the persona yeah, of Batman. Yeah, it's also in each episode he he takes on a new part of Batman so he's yes. a detective and then he puts on a cape or a, so he's, he's like learning Batman again through yes. all these different eras and also we structured it so that each of those stories would be a different 
sort of pulp adventure. It was, so it wasn't it wasn't meant to be real history. It was pulp history. So you had right. the pirates and the cavemen. Yes. And, all, and and Batman learns to be Batman by experiencing all of these different mm-hmm. things. And while that arc was going on, then Batman and Robin mm-hmm. with Dick Grayson as Batman. So what was it like, kind of dealing with? Because in in that. That, in that publication you could see Dick Grayson kind of challenging mm-hmm. between like keeping his own identity but then having to take up the mantle as Batman yeah, yeah. so what was it like writing Dick Grayson as Batman he's been Batman previously before mm-hmm. but this was a whole thing. never as good as that <laughs> <laughs> no I, honestly I love doing that I wish we could have done that for five years yeah. but they wouldn't let us we got oh. 16 issues out of it but it really should have been Everyone thinks Bruce is dead, and this is the new generation Batman. Oh. Robin. I'd have loved so you wouldn't have brought going, Bruce back? No, I wouldn't. I'd have left him out for five years if they'd let me. Oh, wow. And just actually play that through and make everyone think this was no. their own personal generation's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And I really like the dynamic, actually, between DeGrace and then Damien as Robin. Because even in Batman and Son, he was like, I'm the rightful person that should be Robin, yeah. like fighting with Tim Drake and everything. So seeing that dynamic... Was, um, and also just the way that Dick Grayson deals with him. It's really subtle mm-hmm. and it's really gentle and he changes the kid's entire personality and actions yes. just by being kind. You know, whereas with Bruce, Bruce is really domineering and aggressive with Damien. Mm-hmm. Damien's constantly fighting back, but Dick Grayson is just brilliant. Because I figured Dick Grayson was like the ultimate superhero. He grew up as a superhero and he was in the Teen Titans and he loves everyone and he's got yes. this amazing, upbeat attitude. And so he just doesn't let the kid get to him. He's constantly... I mean, that's that's what I loved about it, the way Dick Grayson would just gently tweak Damien's opinions and the way he thought about things mm-hmm. and change his entire way of looking at it. No, definitely. So Bruce returns, and then you have Batman Inc., mm-hmm. which is this whole thing, and then that goes into Leviathan. Like, what were, your, what were your ideas with the Batman Inc. concept? And then going into that storyline story Leviathan, which actually has a lot with Talia mm-hmm. and then Damien's relationship and Bruce's relationship, and that kind of family dynamic is just torn apart. Like, why did you want to kind of go that route or um, with both with both Batman Inc well basically with Batman Inc I thought because I'd get more and more interested in Bruce Wayne as a component and rather than him being this mask that Batman wears is to be mm-hmm. like Bruce Wayne is Batman they're both the same person yes so I wanted Bruce Wayne to be more proactive and more obviously working to help the city and to help the world and it just seemed like a really good idea that Bruce suddenly brings his corporate know-how over to Batman and suddenly franchises Batman. It was just something I hadn't seen done before. And the audience didn't really like it, unfortunately, but, you know, it's like, I still think no, it was a great you, idea. No, and, I enjoyed it because you didn't see that concept yeah. before, and I really liked it. You had the Batman of Africa and all these different places. And, and also the idea of just you know, Bruce is lying online and saying, oh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Right. You know, <laughs> that can't be real. You know, when he's just playing into the whole disinformation thing. Yes. And yeah, so I thought it was the next, it was a really good next stage for him. But again, it's, it's something that couldn't be sustained, so we had to break it at the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I, I thought it was a good idea. But in terms of, of Talia, my, my basic idea for Batman was that Batman was created out of trauma, his parents are killed. So mm-hmm. I thought there was a part of Batman that hates his parents, part of Bruce Wayne that hates his parents for leaving him and for st- Sticking him with his mission, you know, and for making him have to be Batman. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, in there, there's this terrible, in his unconscious, he's, there's a resentment. So I decided that 
the villains across the whole arc would be bad mother and bad father. So the bad father part was played by Dr. Hurt. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of who pretends to be Bruce's actual father, right? And the bad mother is then played Battaglia, and I was kind of thinking about my own parents' divorce and how people who loved one another can suddenly become mortal enemies, and the kids are stuck in the middle of this terrible thing. So yes. it was just a way of kind of uh, it was like personal therapy, <laughs> as well as playing out which I thought would be a really interesting story when when your parents are Batman and Talia mm-hmm. these emotional moments that for the rest of us are just you know kind of kitchen sink confined to our little homes yeah. Batman and Talia it changes the world it affects you know it's these are titans right. you know and when they fight over a kid the whole world suffers mm-hmm. and I just thought it was a great thing for a story to take a really small domestic yes. you know entanglement and a problem and then blow it up to global status where suddenly oh shit if Talia hates Batman then <laughs> entire countries might fall you know? <laughs> um, actually something I wanted to ask you about the the DC anime movie Son of Batman is loosely based off of Batman yeah. did you have any involvement in that or? no no I don't no? have anything to do with the, the, no? the animated <laughs> movies they can't afford me <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it did you? I did see it. I said, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Enjoyed it? Yeah, it was just it was a weird amalgam of a bunch of things. Mm, right, yeah, right. It's always for me. It's always good to see something I did yes. turning up. You know, no, I, when I watch Batman versus Superman, there's the bit mm-hmm. where suddenly Batman's in the trench coat and it is the six 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 Batman. Yes. You know? ah. And there's the huge dark side Omega sign on the. And I, th- I love that stuff yeah, just to see definitely. something that I've added to that tapestry suddenly turn up. No, definitely. Um, I wanted to quickly turn upon uh, multiversity mm-hmm. and kind of how you because clearly through looking at Batman and kind of through the alternate timelines and just traveling um, through the eras what uh, how did you decide which characters you wanted to put in the multiversity and how you kind of crafted that whole multiverse for DC how did that come about oh god I don't know <laughs> it just happened <laughs> No, I, I knew when I started Multiverse and I thought each of these comics are going to be set in a different parallel universe so they'll be done in really different styles. Mm-hmm. And I had several, you know, I really wanted to do a Captain Marvel, Shazam story. I wanted to do the Watchmen thing and kind of do it with the Charlton characters. So there's a bunch of them that I knew that I wanted to do and then the other ones kind of fit in around it. And it was just, it was just kind of... I, I grew up with the DC multiverse and I never thought it was difficult as a kid you know it was an easy thing to understand <laughs> but it kind of got erased because the idea was that it was too complicated right. or too you know it, it made for lazy storytelling which I didn't ever agree with so I was constantly on this battle to bring the multiverse back <laughs> and I, I kind of finally got to it and so yeah I mean it was a, it was a lot of thought that was it probably took eight years the project wow. and working out the whole map and actually making a structure yes. and kind of nailing it down <laughs> but whether that'll last any longer than six months who knows <laughs> hi my name is mason and i'm the producer of this show and i also co-host with london occasionally this is a two-part question first do you think that batman can have a functional romantic relationship and the second part of that is who would you see him with, happy with I don't think Batman can have a functional romantic relationship, but I think he does have a lot of sex, which (laughs) tends to be overlooked because I think Batman is really pragmatic about the mission. And I think he would would think, I'm not going out tonight frustrated. So he would actually, you know, and it's the so same he way. To take the edge off. Yeah, it was the same way his diet would be organised to be perfect. Everything he does is to make the mission better. So I believe he has this. He has this. 
reputation as a playboy and that reputation wouldn't persist unless he was actually doing it because all he would have to do is ask the girl what was he like in bed and she oh nothing <laughs> so clearly he's up to he's doing it but I think it's utterly pragmatic utterly cold utterly emotionless and it's done in this purely physical manner in order to make himself a peak human being so no I don't think he has normal relationships but I do think he has a lot of sex and if he should be with anyone it's probably it should be Talia, but that's a mess. So I think it's, it has to be Catwoman. Oh! But that is so dysfunctional that the two of them would kill each other within six months. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I personally am a huge fan of Talia, yeah. and I was I was pushing for that, so I, I thank no, you. No, Talia's the optimum woman as Batman is the optimum man. She's the woman of the world, you know? That's what? what? Yeah. What? Did you hear that? <laughs> Did you hear that? Thank you so much. I did not pay him to say that. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank You're you. You're welcome. So, like we mentioned in the beginning, we're here for your heavy metal signing. And also, you're here right now, and you're doing, you're working on a TV project, yeah, yeah, I heard. So, can yeah. you tell us anything about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a couple of TV projects, actually. We're do, me and uh, Brian Taylor, the director on Crank, have, have done a, a pilot for Happy, which was a, a, the image comic that I did. And we're shooting in New York in January, and we're also working on the Brave New World adaptation nice. with Amblin. And so, yeah, I mean, all that stuff's kind of taken off in the last year as well, so I haven't done as much Perfect. in comics, but yeah. I'm really Are you going to come back to Batman? I don't, I've got one last thing, which is a Batman black and white book, which is going to be ah. like just, just 48 pages with me and a bunch of sort of uh, alternative artists from okay. Los Angeles. So we're kind of doing really different takes on Batman so that's my last thing on Batman right now ah, okay. until I get a good idea <laughs> but no I, I would never say no with any of these things but okay. there comes a point where you feel as if you've done that thing you know and, and no well you've done so yeah. much with Batman and his mythology and I am personally a huge fan of your writing and thank you. so I wanted to say thank you for all of the Batman that you've written and I want to thank you for taking the time out in no, the middle talking. of the signing it was, it was fantastic, yeah. <laughs> yeah so thank you to Grant Morrison and we will have more history of the Batman soon and is there any place that they can um, if people want to see what current projects you're working on or do you have a website or anything people can follow no you? I'm not no? homeless I'm like, <laughs> I don't even have a phone you know I don't have an email the last time I sent an email was like 1985 uh. no 2005 <laughs> so my, my wife kind of tends to handle all the business and okay. I just sit in a little tower feeding stray kittens and writing stories so honestly yeah I'm sure there's somewhere they could look okay. but well I think you guys should pick up the heavy metal magazine that is probably definitely because yes. that's where the cool stuff is yes it? you guys should definitely new pick one's it up. got a great cat story definitely so thank you all for listening and remember it's all about peace love and Batman <laughs>